When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. I'm Dave DeFore here with Moda Kill and Seth Partnow. So that means we've got a little bit of nerder, she wrote. Guys, uh, I'm on the East Coast still and I forgot what it was like to watch sports on the East Coast. 1 (laughs) a.m. last night. My (laughs) eyes are killing me right now. Uh, Staying up late to watch the end of that crazy Warriors-Kings game. The in-season tournament had me just on the edge of my seat. Uh, Just the point differentials. There's so much stuff to pay attention to. We've got like real competitive basketball, guys, and it's the last week in November. This is actually pretty fun. It's been great. It's been great. You know, I think the uh, the court aside, I think, you know, the NBA did a great job setting up the in-season tournament. Like, this has been an excellent launch for for the tournament. I think this is something we've seen. You know, the numbers have bore it out in terms of the ratings, you know, because everybody, oh, ratings um, and whatnot. The courts, listen, the courts need work. We need to adjust the failure. courts. Not a failure, failure of execution, not of concept, not of concept. But, but right. also, also, I'll even just say this: we talk about the court so damn much. Is it really a failure? Like we're still yeah. focused on it four weeks afterwards. The courts are some of the courts are ugly as hell. Although I like the Sacramento one. Watching it last night, I was like, okay, I can work with that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an easy it's, fix. Take out the middle, the middle colored strip. Only have the paint, the the paint inside the paint, and and it's at least better. It's yeah, but hard. it was fun. It was fun yeah. though. I think I think we we all can just start out and saying like that was awesome. The games last night were awesome. You know, just across the board with with the intensity of it and what we've said from the beginning was if the players care, it'll be good. And the players have cared in year 1. And even without fully understanding what the the group play and the tournament actually means for them. Um, You know, it's a free trip to Vegas. They get a little bit of money. I don't know if you guys caught the show yesterday. Uh, Orlando Magic head coach Jamal Mosley was on with with, uh, David Aldridge and and Marcus Thompson on the uh, Hoops Adjacent. And he talked about it. He was like, you know, we're we're invested in this. It it is fun to, to be competing for something. And like the regular season... And this is part of why they had to do this. The regular season's 82 games. It drags on. You know, it's just another game. One of 82 is a term that people use all the time. It drives me crazy. And they found a way to add some weight to these early season games. I think this has been fantastic. And the teams are all playing like they're bought in, Seth. Like, that's actually the hook is do the players care? And I think undeniably, when you look at these guys and how hard they're going, not to say you don't get some tightly contested regular season games under normal circumstances, but this was something else. I mean, down to the buzzer in a blowout game, you had guys still going hard. 
We got Hacka Drummond. I mean, <laughs> in and like the Boston Celtics were hacking Drummond to send him to the free throw line so they could increase their point differential just a couple of days after Jason Tatum was complaining about, you know, Orlando running up the score against Boston and and how the you know the unwritten rules and all this stuff. I mean, this is actually this is good for the sport. That that, and, that and almost felt league. like a pre-apology. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like hey, we're it's it's the Bulls. We know we're gonna womp them, and we're gonna womp them by a lot. So this is I'm preemptively saying I don't want to do this, but I have to. Yeah, um, it's gonna hurt me as much as it hurts you. But yeah, I mean, I thought last night had a little bit of like a playoff feel to it. You know, all every game was pretty competitive, like down to the wire, uh, teams playing hard. And I don't mean competitive in score even, but there was competition on the court for 48 minutes. Uh, Mo, you know, we talked a little bit. The strategies in these games are completely different. And, and to a certain degree, some teams maybe have shot themselves in the foot a little bit because they're playing the game for the in-season tournament. Well, I mean, I just think one, I, I think the first two games of the in-season tournament, I don't think teams really thought about the point differential mattering. Agreed. And I yeah. think that's something that like caught on later where they're like, oh, we need to win some of these games with style points. I got I got a lot to say, Dave. Um, the first off, just the, everybody crying about the unwritten rules. Unwritten rules suck. Well, they're unwritten for a reason, because the people stupid. who invented them are too embarrassed to write them down. The, 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 and this goes to even before the in-season tournament, but the, when everybody would get mad that somebody would take a shot at the end of the buzzer or whatever, and things like that, yo, just play defense, man. It's a 48 minute game. Just cause you want to lay down your swords. It's not their fault. Like that's, that's on you. Don't get your ass kicked. All of that stuff. You know, everybody that was upset about the drumming situation or whatever. Hey, drumming, make some free throws. That's the point. You know, it's not, that's the deal. We, we want to talk that's about completely different. Because there's there's actually like a I can I can almost see like okay well you don't gotta like there's there's ten seconds left in the game you don't gotta throw down a windmill on us come on now you're just embarrassing sure. us no this is there, there is a this has a defined competitive benefit for us to do this we're not we're not doing this to embarrass you Andre Drummond we're although as you say make a free throw but we're doing this because we need to do this to reach our goal as a team and I, I so, you know the Drummond thing is listen man I. I think we're getting a little soft. No one ever went and apologized to Shaquille O'Neal after a game for putting him on the free throw line. I mean, this is just like, you know, I I don't need the head coach apologizing to a, an opposing team's player for strategizing against the team. Like we, we're going a little bit too far here um, with the feelings uh, in sports. I think um, I don't want to sidetrack us too far, uh, but I, I do want to. There are a couple of things here that that I think that we could kind of hit on, but I want to talk Warriors Kings a little bit because Mo, you mentioned something in our pre-show, you know, we were talking about how the Warriors, they had the game wrapped up. They, they should have won this game very easily, but things got a little tricky because of their, their strategy for the in-season tournament. I'm, I'm going to just push a little bit. They had it wrapped up, but they had a lead and that they were trying that they would have played differently if it wasn't right. the in-season tournament, right? They would have, played it I think differently in the sense of look we all know we knew at that point they had to win by 12 points or more 
to move on to the in-season tournament. And they were going for it. And that, again, that goes to what we're talking about. The players were into it. The coaching staff was into it. They had wrinkles where, you know, Chris Paul leaves the game early. Gary Payton, the second, leaves the game in the second half. Like, now it's how much do you push on Steph and, and, and try to get that stuff. Like, they had actual playoff decisions that had to be made in November. Like this had a feel, the crowd was totally into it. It was like, I'm pretty sure at that point, the crowd knew they had to win. You know, they, they had to make sure they didn't lose by 12. And I think there was a lot of stuff in that instance where this plays out. If it's a regular season game differently than it did the end season tournament, but that's also the point, right? This game means a little bit more than a regular season game. And I think that was part of the fun. I was ecstatic. I said, man, the Warriors were up eight at one point, and I said, it feels like they're losing this game. You know, like, that was the fun part. Yeah, they were playing desperate. So there's this, there's just a natural analogy to this, to something where a lot more, like group play, I think we're, we're probably just more familiar with from, from tournament soccer. As a, as a and and there's so there's there's some things here. One that sort of we're up, but we're actually down. That's a that's a neat sort of uh, you know like a lot of soccer games. It's a two legged aggregate score, and so that like we're ahead, but we got to win by two, or we got to win by two goals or something like that. So that's an interesting wrinkle. The other part is something that they've figured out is that the last group games have to be played at the same time, and I don't like. On one hand, like what you're talking about with like them knowing like the target score that did add something to it. But on the other hand, that's is that is that almost a competitive advantage for the teams that play last? And so if we're talking about tweaks, that's one that I'd like to see them consider is make sure, especially since they're doing the groups in conference, that you make those last group games like like at least tip off simultaneously so we don't get those weird situations where it's like hey i i think it's not too hard to imagine a situation saying hey if you guys win by exactly five points we both advance right i you know i wonder if they could they could when they do this next year i mean this is this is actually why it's exciting because it is working but there's a lot of room for improvement and if they're gonna do a thing where they have everyone playing at the same time make it feel you know, like an event, do it all day, you know, start, start the games early and, and just take over an entire day. Um, you know, the, the beauty of the play in is, is that you get those single elimination, but the thing we love about March madness is that, you know, on a Thursday I'm watching basketball at noon, you know, give me one day of that from the NBA and I'd be pretty happy. I mean, you know, we, we get it on occasional holidays, but do it for the tournament. Just like that's, start those that's games tough. at noon. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun for us. That's 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 <laughs> tough because now you're not getting anybody in the seats. Now you're not getting anybody. Do in it on the, Black Friday. <laughs> right. Well, well, OK, well, the NFL <laughs> well, has that. that now. Yeah. So it's it's a challenge. You know, I just think now you're asking. Now we're asking for miracles, guys. Like, yeah. that's a tough yeah. one. I just want to flip that's, back and forth, you know, game to game, uh, you know, yeah. or the like quad have the, the, the quad screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Group A, you know, I want all four games from Group A. Um, yeah. So can I so, can I bring up a, a sort of related question? By the yeah. way, you mentioned like the excitement of single elimination. So here's so basically the tournament how it worked this year is if you went four and zero, obviously you advanced. Uh, three and one basically gave you a fifty fifty chance. So I'm wondering if that's okay or if there's a way to keep 
teams alive a little longer just because you know there's how many games i'm i'm uh I'll be looking at this. I'm writing about this tomorrow for the athletic is sort of what that like how many of the games across like the second half had zero implications and do we is there a way we can tweak it to do that or not or do we just not worry about it? Um, Is that just sort of baked into group play? I mean, you know, yeah, I think it just happens. We're now uh, like in the desire of making this perfect. We're right. gonna kind of, I think, ruin this a little bit. Like, look, I, I'm not saying I'm not suggesting any particular solution. I'm just wondering if there is a, if there is a way to have more teams alive heading into the last group game. I and think I guess, it's just you know, looking at it, I guess there at. were only, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we had stakes. I mean, just again, Boston not only had to win, they had to win by a lot, right? Like there was an element of of that stuff. You know, the the Warriors had to win by twelve to the point that they were all kind of keeping track of it. Even the Kings were aware that, hey, man, we can't lose by 12. Like, there was right. a whole, like, there was. Well, Joe Mazzulla talked about this. I mean, the reason they went to the hack of Drummond was because one of his coaches, his job was to say, hey, we need, we need right, this. you need to win. No, it's, He's watching it's, the Brooklyn game. Yeah, and, and you know, again, I know some, the, the purity of the game and, oh, the disrespect of the game. This isn't disrespect of the game. Because if all y'all cared in November, few years ago we probably wouldn't be worried about it now so let's don't so miss me with the purity of the game because you're all watching now like that's the honest thing with this stuff and if nobody cares about this game more than me in that regard of 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 being respectful and i think like we just got to chill i just think the way it is now the games themselves are kind of perfect i think yeah i'd love to for them to all play the 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 groups to all play at the same time i just don't think that's really viable um, especially when you have five groups, five teams in a group, somebody right. has to sit. So, you know, there, there has to be maybe a tweak of that. But ultimately, like they they kind of nailed it. Yeah. Um, well, while we're on the group play, is there anything that you guys like would change about the group play? I mean, the tournament format's pretty, I think, plain and simple. Um, but with group play, is there any tweaks you would make just off the top of your head? I, I gotta say Tuesday and when, Tuesday and Friday tourney nights. That's that's certainly been that's certainly been a success. Um, I think that I would um, there none of the tournament games were the 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 back end of a back to back. I would try to make it make sure that none of them were the front end of a back to back. Also, because I think as we're talking about with this point differential, now you're putting a team that has it's on the first half of a back to back. You're actually putting them in a disadvantage advantageous spot because, hey, we want to not just win this game, but we want to win it by 20. We also got a game tomorrow. So what are yeah. we doing rotation? wise? I don't from think, Peter to pay. I, Paul, yeah, maybe, I, I think yeah. that that's and the fact that that's unbalanced between teams. I think that that's something that they should um, they should you know, equalize that out a little bit and really, and again, really protect these games. If they, if they're going to make this the early season showcase, then, you know, uh, and I know this, the schedule makers have, have a hard job and this is only going to make it harder, but. I honestly, my, my adjustment set to that is just make Wednesday night also a in season tournament game. So you could spread it out. Cause obviously the concern is right. Like the first in season tournament day, they want everybody playing and then you don't have a lot of product for, for Wednesday. Well, they just split it up yeah. so that you have a Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday, maybe the tournament's going to go a little bit 
quicker or whatnot. Maybe you have to tweak some stuff there, but like, I think that's something that you should probably look at. I mean, in, in, in trying and to maybe you can really right. blow it out. You could too. do Tuesday through Friday, yeah. because if you think about it, um, you know, the, these games, it's not a, like the tournament doesn't last a long time on the calendar. It's, it's not that many weeks. So if you just did Tuesday through Friday, this, these are our tournament games. And then, have a couple of like the big launch on Tuesday. We're gonna have a ton of games, you know, marquee matchups. But then you can, like you said, Mo, you can spread it out just a little bit, and then at the end, try to force everyone to play like Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it'll be. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for sure. But Seth, the point Seth made is extremely important, and that this being the front half of a lot of back to backs is challenging, and I think that puts a lot of. Uh, questions on the coaching staff in terms of them trying to figure out what they're supposed to do and how to handle it and i think it makes it almost not even worth it at that point like extra challenging in that regard Uh, and i wonder i wonder if if point differential being the tiebreaker maybe maybe point differential being the tiebreaker while being a good idea in prospect i think the schedule difficulty might mean that that has to get tweaked maybe it's like most quarters one or something like that. Oh, like they used to remember, remember in, yeah. in the old CBA, you used to get like four points for winning the game and a point for each quarter you won. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe doing that. It still has some of the same effects, but I don't think it has quite the same. All right. We're, we're winning this game by a, a, a billion. Uh, do we have to try to win the fourth quarter? Or if we're up a bunch in the fourth quarter, we can still sit our guys. Maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's a, uh, I don't tweet. hate that. That that's to me. Look, that's at least a. There's still a competitive element to the game, right? Like the the point differential, getting these guys to run through the tape, to play through the finish, is such a huge difference in watchability. You know, I mean, think about the people. I mean, you know, I know it's hard for us to do this, but think about the people that pay their money to go see a blowout. I mean, we sit at home, we watch a blowout. It comes on. I just flip over. I'm on every Pass. Monday night on, on the That's Nerd right. stream. Mo and I, we, we, we know how to pick like, them every right. time. Yeah. Every time we know how but to pick them. Oh God! A, there's a difference between a blowout and a blowout where guys are still playing hard, even if it's not the stars. Like I mean, you know, the guys off the bench, like still gunning, going, running stuff. I just think that that's better, you know, overall. Um, so now we head into the tournament play. Um, the quarterfinals are played there. You know, I think the Bucks have a home game. I mean, the, the better teams are going to, going to have teams. They're going to be hosting tournament games at home. And then they head to Vegas for the semis and the finals. Um, look, having a tournament game in front of your home crowd, I, I bet we're going to see some, some really hot crowds. Oh, those uh, games are going to be games. lit. Yeah. They're going to be fun. I mean, those are great matchups too. Fun games. And so, I want to ask you guys, is it the right move to take the semis and the finals and move them to Vegas? Like, I understand that there's an impetus here, right? Like, number one, the NBA really wants wants a team in Vegas. I think everybody wants a team in Vegas. It's a good test for the NBA doing well in Vegas outside of summer league. This is good. Like, you you start to build up, you know, your, your customer base. I get it. You want people to show up to this. You want to make it an event. I, I totally understand. But does it rob the fans of another opportunity to actually celebrate and, and go through something with their team, which gets them even more invested? I mean, again, Seth, you just said these games, I mean, the crowds are into them. 
it is going to be hot for these elimination games. And I wonder if it isn't a mistake to take that away from the fans. I think that something to look at is to, all right, we've played the, we've played the quarters. Now everyone, now we got the final four in Vegas to separate that out in, in just in timing a little bit so that, okay, like if, if the Lakers or Clippers or Warriors or Kings or Suns or Utah, like make it like they like those fans will get to Vegas. Like that's no, no problem. I think like, but like, if if you want the possibility of people from Milwaukee, if they win if they win that game to head to Vegas, I think having a little bit more of a gap, just allowing people to to make those plans. This is something again. This is something that uh, they do very well in the in season tournaments in like soccer, for example. Is like all right, you've qualified for the semifinal of the FA Cup, you get to play at Wembley. It's obviously England, smaller country, so it's it's easier to get places, but it's not you're not going to you, you don't live in newcastle and, and shit i gotta get down to london next week it's like it's you know six weeks from now so i can i can make those plans and make that happen and there, there is a balance between not losing impetus with the tournament and that but i do think um from a standpoint of getting that like that partisan celebration which is a big part of like winning things um i think that there is a a because we don't have a, a really the the uh the ethic of of traveling to watch your team in this country as they do in in in, in soccer in in soccer cultures, I, I think that that finding that balance is something to look at. Our country is huge, to be fair. I mean, it's just hard. Uh, yeah. Like you know, Miami to Las Vegas is a, a heck of a trip. I'm gonna I'm gonna first off push back on a lot of that. I like all of it. Uh, you know, the <laughs> uh, to start with it. One, you're right about the timing, though. Short turnaround in terms of figuring out how to get to Vegas if you're not nearby Vegas is challenging, right? Like I've I've literally dropped everything I needed to do to go to Vegas, you know, that night. So it's I've in LA it's easy. One, we don't have the impetus to travel in for NBA games. Okay, football does it all the time. I've traveled for college football games cross country. I know people come all the way to LA for the Rose Bowl. And I'm going to just be honest with you. If you're in cold-ass Milwaukee, yeah, maybe you want to go to Vegas for a few days and enjoy a little bit, you know, not freezing conditions and and whatnot and all of those things. Like, I think that stuff kind of matters in that regard. Like, I'm genuinely not worried about it. I'm I'm wearing four layers right now, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's my point, right? So, you know, like, yeah, if if I gave you a ticket to Vegas, Seth, for a few days, you'd hop on, you know? Um, And I think that's kind of the thing there with that. I think the idea of moving it is great because it adds more importance to this. You four teams, we're putting you in this, tournament we're moving it and i don't mind if they move it around vegas this year they should do it in the bubble they should recreate the bubble one year let's not rehash old old things definitely do it at disney no but like you know move it around vegas this year do it in louisville how about seattle seattle move it around in places that don't have (laughs) nba seattle some more no but just, just do it in places where it's like you know what? The the locals can't really go to a lot of those games and move it around. And then that's also your test case for future expansion, maybe. But well, move that move that thing around. I think there's a lot of fun with that in in that area. But I have no problem with them 
moving or, or, or moving the, the semifinals and, and finals into one place because that's the tournament feel. That's the NCAA tournament vibe they're trying to go for, right? The final four. Everybody we know for the most part is going to be in Vegas except for us probably. Um, like the FOMO I'm going to have that week is going to be pretty impressive. But like I know a whole bunch of people are doing going to Vegas for the, the games. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. And that's the final four feel to it. And that's what they were hoping for in the in-season tournament. So I think just saying like, oh, we'll give it to the home teams. Eh, like, I think that's, I think it's also difficult because those places have to have the arena available. Yep. There's a lot of variables to that stuff. I think it's a little bit less variably. If you say, Hey, this year, Vegas, I just want, to, I, I, I would like them to move it around a little bit. That's actually that's a great point, Mo. Because I I don't know how they how they did that. Did they did they have every team like for that 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 quarterfinal day? Okay, I mean really for that little period, everybody's got to hold their arenas because we don't know exactly who's playing where. I think that's a little bit of a and and the more dates you put that on, that is actually like that's that's that is an imposition if you're if you're you know sorry this these five days you can't uh you can't book you know you can't book uh taylor swift it's like well well oh, oh no they're just gonna tell you no we're booking taylor yeah, swift exactly y'all are getting the second leg yeah. of that yeah do you know how much money we make from that that show like come on like, that's an economy. sorry sorry adam we're we're taylor's coming to town um okay and so so final thing on the on the in-season tournament um it, just because you know the discourse around it okay is it too difficult does it need to be explained a little bit more for sports fans to fully like nba fans in particular this is brand new do you guys feel like the nba is doing a good enough job of fully explaining what it is and what they're trying to do or does that not matter will fans just figure this out as we go I think both. Um, I think the NBA has done a pretty good job with it. You know, uh, let me be honest with you. I screwed up last night. I thought the the Bucks needed to win by point differential, not realizing they just needed to win. Like it was very simple, and I tweeted it out, and everybody let me know how wrong I was, um, which is fine because I was wrong. But like, yeah, I, I it's going to be easy to mess up in that regard and figuring those things out. But I think the NBA's done a good job. I think the broadcast did a good job. Like they went into that Warriors Kings game and kind of laid it out, you know, the, the the scenarios. They even had a graphic in the top right corner towards the end of the game saying how much they needed to win by. They had the the Chiron scores for the other games for everybody to understand. Like this matters, you know, in that regard. I think they, it's it's over time people will adjust and learn. This is year one. This is one of those things that we're, you know, we're learning it on the fly. Let's be honest. The NBA is learning this on the fly. There is a whole lot of adjustments, you know, in terms of how to, how to sell this and pitch this and whatnot to, to keep going. And I think it's really kind of important to, to see it through. Um, but I think they've done a pretty good job for the most part. I've got one more, one more sort of question on, on this. And I know, I know we want to finish off on another topic is, we kind of it's the 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 remaining teams aside from I think Indiana are pretty chalky. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the excitement of the tournament? You know that's inter it's interesting. I I don't I don't know. Does it matter? I mean, I know we we all want like we want a Cinderella, right? This is the the thing. Like think about uh March Madness. If you don't follow a a college team. And even if you do, 
when it gets to tournament time, you probably have a couple of, you know, 15 seeds or 14 seeds that you're like, all right, I'm pulling for these guys. I, I don't know if the NBA operates that way. You know, like if, if for instance, I don't know, who's an awful team? Uh, like the, if the Charlotte Hornets were in the mix here uh, in the tournament, would you, do you guys feel like fans would be rooting for them to upset and, and potentially win the tournament? I don't know if the NBA works that way. I think the fan bases are are pretty locked in. So is it a bad thing that the, that the good teams have been winning? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Mo, like having stars in these marquee tournament games, I think is going to matter as far as, uh, you know, people watching. I, I don't know if it, if it matters as much for, for fans. No, I think it's I think it's good um, having the stars in it for the most part. I think it's fun having a Cinderella in there. Sure, right? Like that's fun. Like you know, watching the plucky Indiana Pacers with their high octane offense and absolutely zero defense. Zero defense. (laughs) You you know, um, trying to go and win the in season tournament's kind of a fun little deal, and then going up against the big boys. But I also think it's kind of fun looking at this in some sort of way of like, hey, kind of a playoff preview. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think the, uh, I think that's a fun, uh, sort of view of these things. I think, you know, the, it's late, it's sons Kings, right. In the first game, like that's a potential first round matchup that we could see. That would be a lot of fun. And then I'm, when I, if that were to match up, I'd probably go back and look at that. And like, you have, how are the coaches, you know, Bucks, Knicks, like that's like, there's fun stuff with that and it being the big boys in these things. And I think it's, I think especially good in the first year that you have the, the big, the big, the big guns kind of in it, big names in it, exciting players in it. I think this is a good chance for the Kings to kind of continue to introduce themselves to the national market. Same for the Pacers. Like, I think there's some positive stuff there, but if it's all Cinderella's or majority Cinderella's, I think you'll lose a lot of interest. Do you know how annoyed I'd be if Washington made it? Like, do you understand? Like, you know, like it's, it's, you know, and, 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 and like the ratings, Wizards, I don't know how many Pistons in the in season tournament. Like, final. I don't know how excited people would be to right. watch that game. And I think that's kind of the important thing here is like, this is going to have, uh, a, a, uh, uh, relevance. And at the same time, provide an excitement because these are going to be fun matchups. And I think there's, there's, there's an important aspect of it, you know, and if, if certain teams made it, there are teams that let's just be honest, people don't want to watch because they're it's not true. good. They're bad, whatever it's, it's, you know, I only catch the highlights of the wizards just to see what dumb shit Jordan Poole did today. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the situation you're sort of looking at. I think that's, well, the deal. I went, went on over- way too long. No, but they went 0-4 with the negative 38-point differential. Yeah. So not worried about that. No yeah. risk of uh, the yeah. Wizards spoiling our, our in-season tournament. Speaking of playoff matchups, do you guys catch OKC and Minnesota last night? Chet versus Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was dominant. And it, it got me thinking. Now that the Wolves are the one seed in the West, and I know it's early, but we're almost 20 games into the season now. It's almost 25% of the season and they're the one seed guys my question for you this week as we move away from the in-season tournament and start thinking about the playoffs are the wolves genuine championship contenders i mean we had high expectations for them last year after the rudy gobert trade we thought this would be a team that would be able to manufacture regular season wins and would run into problems in the playoffs 
it didn't work out that way. They had some clunky stuff. They had a lot of things that were out of their control even last season that caused them to struggle. Um, I mean, they didn't get a training camp with, I mean, the, the, the cat go bear pairing is weird and they did not get a training. They didn't camp get a chance to do yeah. anything. Yeah. And, and also and it's been much, it's been cat much better this year. Yeah. Cat was hurt. Um, but are the wolves genuine championship contenders? Like, can we start patting them on the head? Like the Denver nuggets of yore and saying, okay, I think you're pretty good. Now you get, you know, should we be having some expectations of them? Yeah, they're I good. Think play- I mean, they're, they're good. It's that simple. You know, it's it's funny. I got a, a text from a friend of mine this morning going wolves kind of pesky. I'm like, no, not pesky. Good. They're good. Like they're a good basketball team. Like this is the 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 deal there. You know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the Jaden McDaniels injury for a little bit. He's going to miss some time with a sprained ankle. But defensively. I mean, besides Rudy Gobert, who was absolutely, you're right, Dave, was was dominant in that game last night with OKC. But Anthony Edwards is doing a great job on the perimeter. McDaniels, when he's healthy, um, they got a great game last night from Troy Brown Jr. Like, shocked me. But, like, they, they, they got an impressive night from him. Connolly's a strong, solid point guard. Cat's going to knock down shots. I have Defense could be better. But, like, they got a lot. They got a lot of stuff to work with there. And at the end of the day, they have a go-to guy in Anthony Edwards. They got the star that you're kind of looking at. Like, they're good, man. Like, there's no reason to think. Some things have to break right. I wouldn't pick them to make it to the finals. But I don't think it wouldn't shock me at all if they make it to the conference finals. They got a lot of size, a lot of length. They got defense. They could score. Like, it It, wouldn't shock me. The two things that worry me is they they have to play two bigs. Right. Just because of where, I mean, all their money, like all the money, they, the talent and, and money they have locked up and go bear and towns and read uh, means that they, they sort of, and uh, one thing we've seen is having flexibility to, to, to try different things in the playoffs. And you wonder about that. And they, and also like, you know, they're among their guys who you'd probably say are playoff playable. There's a lot of questionable shooting there. Uh, between between Kyle Anderson and McDaniel's and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, if he's sort of the the back end of the rotation, and obviously Gobert, so you do wonder if in a playoff environment, how how big those challenges become. Um, but they also, I mean, you know, if, if they do have better defense, especially at the point of attack in front of Rudy. Than he ever had in Utah, I think. Right. I w- that was going to be my next question. Like, does this this version of the Minnesota Timberwolves, when you compare it to those Utah teams that that Rudy took to the playoffs, we know the problems with with those teams were point of attack defense. It forced Rudy off the court because they just needed to keep up on the offensive end because they couldn't defend. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator 
and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash NBA show 23. That's linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Will they be able to cover up enough for the, the deficiencies in Rudy's game that will absolutely be highlighted in the playoffs because teams are going to, they're going to target him. They're going to try to get him off the floor. Do they have the perimeter defense, Mo, to be able to cover up for that so that Rudy can stay on the floor because that that's their best chance at winning, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think they do. I think that's the big difference with this team with Rudy than he had with the Utah teams. It's like, look, the Utah teams... You know, at a certain point, they just stopped defending on the perimeter and and and, and depended on Rudy to make plays at the rim. Yeah, and that made it impossible for him to be everywhere. And right, like, yeah, teams are going to spread out. Like even last night's game, like Chet Holmgren's going to stretch and spread the floor there. That's a challenge for Rudy, and he pulls him away from the basket. Okay, now the you have to make some tweaks and adjustments as a coach. Maybe you hide Rudy somewhere else, or 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 whatnot, or or things like that. But the fact that they got perimeter guys that can stop drives cold is is pretty strong you know and i think that matters a whole lot in in terms of just their defensive stuff seth makes a great point in terms of his questions of their shooting and and whatnot but again i think their defense kind of can cover up some of those mm-hmm. situations where like yeah we might not make threes but we ain't letting you score and well, i think how do you feel though how do you feel seth about the shots that they're generating i mean like you know look to make or miss league and and we can talk about that till we're blue in the face but if their process is good, I mean, these are NBA players, right? Like, I mean, the, the shots have a good enough chance of falling. And Kyle Anderson, like, you know, he's not a great shooter, but if he's taking open looks when they're, the defense is keyed in on Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, the, the job should be easier. I, I think that they might they might have enough. I mean, I'm not sure what it looks like as far as, you know, it, can they maintain the one seed? Do they have to have home court advantage? Probably. I think that they look like a top four team in the West when you when you consider how how the defense is. I but I do they generate that, the right looks? So. Um, I I I almost don't really. I'm not gonna say I don't care what looks they're generating now. I think those looks change because okay, well Kyle Anderson, we we're gonna gap him. We you know all these things that will be different in a playoff environment with that preparation is is sort of where I, I start to I think I think it really I've, I've probably used too many words in saying that they're I think I worry about them being game planable uh, in in a postseason scenario. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you guys got anything else uh, before we yes. wrap up for the week? Uh, yes. I've been sitting uh-oh. on this for a while, and this is going to be a little bit of a one mo rant. I, I love um, that you're rolling the sl- he's pulling the yeah. sleeves up. Yeah, let's go. We need to talk about the officials here a little bit. And, we need, and I'm not talking about the Scott Foster, Chris Paul gate. No, no, no. I am very tired of offensive players just getting getting to the line over and over again on nonsense plays. And I'm talking about there, we got to start allowing for defenders to defend, man. Th- there was a play last night. Uh, Darren Fox got an and one on, on Dario Sarge. He was straight up, man. And, and, and all uh, Fox did was jump into him. It was an and one Fox made a big bucket. It was nice. Shouldn't have been a foul. I've seen it 
over and over and over again across every team. Anthony Davis got one against Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has gotten several, but at the point where we're watching games where players are getting 13, 14 free throws a game, and it's not hack or whatever, like that's kind of surprising. Like it's almost sort of the norm that guys are averaging 10, 11 free throws a game and things like that. Like I think the referees need to start allowing defenders to defend. There's a lot of fouls. I can go through Twitter. I mean, I've just clips I pull on a regular basis and it's a problem for fans. It's a problem for the game. Honestly, like the refs need to dial back how many free throws we're giving out because this is getting ridiculous right now. As an offensive player, you have all the advantage. I'm just going to jump into your chest and go up. And it, I know they're going to blow a whistle. And a lot of times these guys are throwing the shots up just because they know, hey, I got the whistle. I know I'm not making I'm just to throw this prayer up or whatnot. It, it's across the league. Every team does it. Every team benefits from it. Every team gets hurt by it. But the biggest thing is it's hurting our game, and the referees have to do a much better job with this. And it's getting kind of ridiculous at this point. There were 55 fouls called in the Warriors-Kings game in a 48-minute game. Um, There's too many fouls called. But this one in particular, Mo, that you're bringing up, the throw yourself into the defender, it's almost as if the, the players are able to call their own fouls. It's them signaling to the referee they would like to shoot free throws now. That's what that's the way it's gotten. You can predict these calls. If a guy dribbles seven times, I know he's gonna Jimmy Butler is one of the worst culprits of this, or maybe best if he's, you know, if you're a Miami Heat fan, you you're rooting for him to do this. But the thing where I just ah, I'm gonna throw my body into him, that signals to the referee I get two free throws. Um, it feels I mean, it's more pro wrestling than it is basketball. Let, let's be honest here. You know, we're juicing stats um that don't need to be juiced. I just don't care about those numbers. Seth, you're, you're sorry. I interrupted you. No, uh, first of all, um, no, I was just thinking of the pop CM punk got, uh, <laughs> over the weekend, but, um, uh, the, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's sort of putting the, the onus on the referees themselves and wondering if that this is a, Almost if it's so uniformly happening, it's the rule interpretation that they're being given rather than the refs putting air in the whistle. And I think that that's sort of been a um, we've talked about this before, sort of the need for or the desire for bright line consistency and letter of the law enforcement, I think, leads to situations where if you know exactly what it's going to take, you can game it. And that puts you in a situation where obviously that's not a real shot attempt, but the instructions are that has to be a foul because otherwise Mark Cuban will get sad um, is I think that's it's as much that as it is like the individual refs themselves. I, I just think we need to go back to the concept and we've talked about this before. The officials are there to manage the game and not be the judge of everything. And I just think we got to start letting these, it's just the problem. Like everybody complains about the scores offensively. This is part of it. Defenses can't defend. It's, it's a plea for defenders. Like, honestly, like I would be frustrated as hell for these guys. There was a, 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 a call on the perimeter where a guy drives and, and, and bumps into the dude and it's a foul. Like, it's just not, it's just too much where it is. It's a foul when it, causes you to miss the shot or or not even get the shot off or whatnot it's a foul when it doesn't allow you 
the offensive player to get to the spot or whatnot, or, or there's just so many ways to do it, but the officials have to manage the game. They're the gatekeepers of the game. That whistle's a very powerful tool in that stuff. And I want the NBA to do a better job of it. Uh, Cause I just want the game to flow. There was a segment right in the OKC Minnesota game where there was no whistles. I don't know what it was. Three or four minutes. The poor players were gassed because they're so used to a whistle every two possessions. But, like, it was beautiful basketball. It was like, yo, this is awesome. Shot making and whatnot and things like that. Like, the offense has enough of an advantage. We don't need to make it harder on the defenders. And I just think this is we're, – we're losing the plot here. And I think when we look at stuff where I think – didn't Shea have a game where he got 18 free throws Oh, yeah. Recently? I mean, uh, yeah. Well, Shay like, gets a—he's got a great whistle. I, it's but it's telling when people like NBA fans when they do watch like international basketball. I mean, you saw this during the World Cup. We'll see it again in the Olympics, and they, and it's refreshing. The game flow, Mo, like it just doesn't—it doesn't stop. And if we're just going to be crass and say it's not about the game and it's more about the the entertainment factor, buddy, it's much more fun to watch a basketball game if it doesn't stop every two seconds. And if I don't have to go to the review board for five minutes in the middle of the second quarter, I, I just the, the referees, I don't want to know their names. I, right. Like knowing so many referee names actually makes me sad to watch NBA basketball. They're too important. Get them out of there. Uh, our friends over at True Hoop, they, they posited the question, should there be four referees? My argument Let's switch to one. We have way too many foul calls. Okay, now if he doesn't see it, on. don't call Come it. On. That's it. Come on. Get him out of here. The, shark. Now the referee's got to go. We've jumped the shark now. That's <laughs> all of a sudden. Right. That's a good the, place the, to the steel up. chair comes out from under the <laughs> That's scores right. table. We need to know how much Draymond ref. would get away with with one ref. Do you know how much? Listen, let's get Dave Hebner out there. We'll be we'll be good to go. Earl uh, Hebner, for Seth, please. <laughs> yeah, for Seth Bartnow and Moda Kiel, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show.